that's actually what <laughs> the great poet Dave Matthews was talking about when he mentioned the space between. Okay, well, I'm going to leave now. You. That was a good Dave Matthews band joke. I don't like him any better than you can, except for that there's song, an, Space Between. There's no such thing as a good Dave Matthews band joke. How about this one? Rest in peace. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Yeah. And if they're dead in a week when this comes out, you killed them. Yeah. Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, dear God. I don't know how you're feeling, but... Ben has a new favorite in the 2020 stable of best movie he's seen this year. Yeah? Yeah. You're going to yeah. you're gonna have to wait to find out. When the final reel is spun And the credits have been run You can count on the wisdom Of these two white guys talking film Just two white guys talking film Welcome everybody to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from a mall where it has it all to a Vegas Invitational Open where men play a sport that is only covered on ESPN, the Ocho. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. There's like 11 minutes that we're just going to cut out at the start. That's so nice well, to thank know. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> you notice every week it's just us talking about how terrible wrestlers are. It's kind of weird. Yeah. That's oh. fun. I don't know. It is. Yeah. But we are not talk here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about comedic movies we are not sure hold up. We don't even have a section for this because we have to go by a case-by-case basis. They either go in the don't hold up or hold up section. But how are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm tired. Work sucks. And I'm exhausted. I know how you feel. Well, before we can do that, we should probably take him over to our recommended section on the off chance he doesn't want these two comedy films that you have picked out and to see if they hold up or not. Tyler, what is the best thing you saw this week? Best thing I saw this week was a little movie, a little found footage horror movie stylized as a documentary called Nori, the Curse. It's a Japanese movie about, like, ghosts and shit. It is fucking super scary. And it's stylized like a mid-2000 Japanese television special, so you get, like, a lot of NHK stuff. And it's just kind of, like, archival footage. And it's kind of really fascinatingly put together because it's like a mix of a dude like filming a documentary and like a mix of just like, like I said, found footage, like television specials, parts of like, like the Japanese like talk show circuit stuff. I don't know if you ever seen the Japanese talk show. The scene in Lost in Translation where he goes on that Japanese talk show, is that pretty close? Sort of. Okay. Where you have like a round table of people. You have like hosts who, who are like constant and you have like people who will go out and like do something and then yeah. So Graham like Norton, it's like a Graham Norton almost, but Japanese. Kind of, but okay. like a little bit better put together than Graham Norton. I am. And so it's like a mix of like that and like all sorts of different types of footage. And so you get this, like, really engrossing effect that, like, what you're watching is, like, real. Like, kind of, you know, because that's, like, the whole point of found footage is to make it seem like you're actually watching something that actually happened. But 
the way Nori does it by like putting together all these like disparate pieces and things that look like they come from like actual TV shows. If you've ever watched NHK, it really, really heightens what the movie's doing. And the movie is also just has some of the most terrifying images I've ever seen. So it's like kind of a combination. If we're still doing that thing in October, I might have to amend my list just a little bit. But yeah, it's Nori, the curse. Interesting. And it's about ghosts. The spirits. Okay, spirits. Like a demonic spirit possession type thing. It's it's. it's it, Where, <laughs> what year is it from? Two thousand five. Okay. Um, oh, that's not bad. And... That's actually kind of at the the apex of the found footage movies. It is, and I also think it's kind of ahead of. Oh, really? Kind of ahead of the curve a little bit, because like, okay, so Blair Witch is what ninety nine. Yeah. And so you get like a lot of imitators kind of after Blair Witch. But it's before it got like, it's before Paranormal Activity, which was 2006. Yeah, like, I, like I said, this is probably right before it just starts to get stale, maybe. But I think Paranormal Activity is like the moment where it becomes like, oh, I can make a horror movie for like $10,000. And so like every other horror movie was a found footage movie. And it becomes pretty rote at that point. I think it's before like there's like a an established formula to found footage. I think there's I think the the mid two thousands produced like three really just brilliant found footage movies, and I think Nori is one of them. And what would you say the other two are? Lake Mungo and Paranormal Activity. Oh, Lake Mungo. I've heard of that movie. Like Mungo fucking whips. Oh, good to know that's a found footage movie. I'll know not to be super high when I watch that. Yeah, don't be super high. Also, oh. don't be super high because that movie is uh, existential crisis waiting to happen. <laughs> Later for that movie in October, as my co-host likes to say, hint, hint, winky, winky. Hint, hint, winky, winky. Yes. Well, I could tell you that we opened up the new projector that my mom got me for my birthday and broke in, broke it in by watching Assault on Precinct 13 last night. Solid movie. Never seen it before. But that's not the movie we're going to talk about because Ben, as you may or may not have heard in the pre-ramble, has a new favorite movie of 2020. Yeah. And I, I just got to believe that you're not going to be as wild about this movie as I was if you have seen it. But I'm oh, can, I take, a, can I take a guess? You know what? Yeah, go ahead and take a guess. Is it Palm Springs? It's 100% Palm Springs. <laughs> this is such a fun movie. It is 90 minutes long. It is a great comedy. Andy Samberg is absolutely crushing it, as well as kind of stretching himself in a dramatically comedic role. And if you don't know the twist of this movie, please do not listen any further than this. Go right, see Palm Springs. And, well, I'm not going to tell you anything more than just go see it. Palm Springs is a lot of fun, and it's a movie that when you find out 20 minutes in what is happening, you're going to be so happy. I haven't seen it. Naomi watched it without me. She just, like, turned it on while she was working, and I was like, I, like, got home, and she was like, yeah, it doesn't really seem like a movie that you like. And I'd be like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> I was I like, think, fair I think point, you would I guess. Appreciate, I think you would appreciate the premise, at least. I think maybe, because I, I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming just from, like the comedic aspect that it's like type sort of thing but i don't know anything about the movie okay that's an interesting guess you've surmised there oh i'm right i didn't say you were right i said that's an interesting guess you've surmised 
That sounds to me a lot like Tyler. You're right about what the premise is. Look, whether or not you're right can be determined at the end of the show when we're off the air. But I'm not going to say anything here for our dear sweet listeners. I'm also okay. going to bleep the word for different reasons. But that's just because, you know, <laughs> I don't want them to get that in their head. I don't want them to get their little hopes up that it might be a movie when it's clearly a movie about like suffering from cancer. <laughs> Why don't you shut your mouth next time? Hmm? Why don't you do that? I can't believe I can't believe my wild guess was totally correct. No one said it was correct. You will have to find out when we are off the air at the end. Where all then this is I going. have surmised that I was correct. You have surmised nothing, and don't you go IMDBing <laughs> it to confirm. So Palm Springs and Ninja not gonna play Nori. here anymore. Nori, <laughs> well, that Nori. was a lot easier. Curse. Nori spelled N O R. OI. Also, it is a Shutter exclusive, so. Oh, fuck out of here. Shutter? Definitely no. watch it. <laughs> Guess what Ben's gonna be watching? Nori. They speak American in that movie? I won't watch it if they don't speak American. No, but the subtitles are really good. <laughs> How can they be bad as long as everything's right? I mean, oh my god, I watched a movie where the subtitles were bad recently and I was like, what? <laughs> oh, is it like Autopsy of a Ghost or some bullshit that you had on your Plex that I saw? I was trying to see if we go. Oh, that, yeah. That movie sucks. <laughs> that was during the furlough. I was on a real, like, just watch hole where I was just laying on the couch watching stuff. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Autopsy of a ghost. That sounds good. There's and, better like, stuff in the Plex now. Oh, no, I know. But I was just, like, I was doing the random number. Yeah, I know. The bad way to watch something. Yeah, sometimes you find great things, like Tokyo Decadence. Definitely found a thing in Tokyo Decadence. <laughs> and in the cold of the night. Okay, I still need to watch in the cold of the night. <laughs> Buckle up, Buttercup. Oh, I threw up there recently. What's that? The Italian Godzilla that we were talking nice. about. Nice. God, that was funny. But you know what else is funny? Our section where we have a bunch of movies just thrown on a pile that you and I have to go through and determine whether they hold up or not. What's your standards, by the way? Because I feel like we're going to have two very different standards. Whereas mine is, is it still funny? I think a movie could still be funny and still not hold up. We're on the same page then. Yeah. Like, I think if a movie, if you're, like, watching it and you're like, wow, this movie really is just fucking tasteless with it, like, where it's aiming its humor, then that hasn't really held up. Specifically, like, I think that comedy ages particularly poorly. Oh, yeah, because we're constantly getting more sensitive. Well, it's less like we're getting more sensitive. We're starting to realize, like, maybe we shouldn't make fun of black people or, like, make fun of, like, Asian people. Like, we shouldn't be making fun of people for the color of their skin or, you know, stuff like that. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Oh, fuck. This is There's a difference between making fun of... Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Of, like... Of like like them being in on the joke and just being like those people are Asian isn't that funny like there's oh, a difference. Okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. There is a difference between give. Okay, there is a difference between Blazing Saddles and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, yeah. There is there one is pointing out the idiocy of racism where the other is being racist. I'm glad we're mm-hmm. still okay. We're still on the same page because I believe nothing is above being made fun of. Yeah, well, I I mean, well, no, I I go with the Kyle from South Park logic. Either everything is acceptable to make fun of or nothing is acceptable to make fun of. Like, 
You can't have lines with you. I think think humor is very subjective. Now, are there things that you should not make fun of, like, around certain things? Yes, absolutely. Like, like there are certain things I would never make fun of in front of my wife. Like, there are certain things like that. But, like, if someone wants to be able to use that for humor, I'm never going to tell that person to stop. But is it my cup of tea? Not necessarily. It also depends on what the humor or what the joke is making fun of or making light of the intentions of the person telling the joke and like who is telling the joke. Like if a white guy makes like a racist joke about black people, it depends on like what he's trying to say with that and what the, like what the intention of the joke is. If it's just to be shocking and to be provocative, I think that that is bad and that does not make me laugh. I don't think that's funny. And we go back to the South Park where Michael Richards goes, I was just trying to get some shock laughs. It's just because I'm not a good comedian. Yeah. <laughs> what Michael Richards did is very plainly, like, bad. Oh, yeah. And I think there was a period of time after, I would say, like, <laughs> the 70s, where, like, a lot of humor became, like, what's the most shocking thing? Like, what's the most boundary-pushing thing that we can do? In the 80s, it was, like, sexually... And a lot of those 80s movies really do not hold up. Like, holy shit. I mean, when's the last time you watched Porky's? Am I right? I remember, yeah. When's the last time you watched Revenge of the Nerds? Oh, and yeah. Then, oh, God, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then, Animal House, um, too, for that matter. I had to explain this to my sister. Yeah. I like I like Animal House. I love Animal House. House. It's one of my favorite movies. But I'll tell you, I walked out of that with watching on a big screen with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. And she goes... There were, like, two legitimate rape jokes in there. I go, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think that, like, the, like, necessity to be boundary-pushing. But that's what comedy is. Yeah, but, like, also... pushing the envelope. Comedy is poking at someone to the point where they're either laughing or they're trying to punch you. Yeah, but, like, we're also... When we talk about stuff like that, we talk about Blazing Saddles, right? Yeah. And Blazing... People on the right constantly to be like no one be able to make blazing saddles anymore and i'm like you're wrong <laughs> make it right now people you people could would... make that right now well, because yeah, the movie could. isn't like the movie isn't racism it's condemning racism yeah it's it's pointing out the idiocracy of racism yeah yeah and i think when people examine comedy especially of certain age years ago they like to hold up and be like this is still good because i was a kid when i watched this and I don't want to condemn something that I watched when I was so young. When in reality, you should be looking at it and be like, I'm glad that I've like grown past some of these fucking <laughs> like, horrible jokes. I will grant you, there are like two or three jokes in the second film that are really like, I'm just like, oh, really? Oh. Real tasteless. Yeah, but uh, I will say this too. There are also a couple jokes in the second one that I'm just like... I fucking almost fell off the couch laughing at something in, in the second movie today. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it. Oh, but, yeah. Like, I, like my, one of my favorite movies is Major League. Like, that's, like, an oh, all-timer. Like, I watched it, like, Major a, League. Oh. a billion times when I was a kid. And there's definitely things about Major League that don't hold up. Like, it's just, like, that's just what happens. Like, and I think if you don't point it out, if you don't be like, hey, yeah, there's some, like, fucked up shit in these movies, then you're just, like, burying your head in the sand. And you don't want to yeah. talk about how we've changed as a society. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say this, though. If there's one thing that bugs me more than anything, 
it's that I let nearly, oh, no, over now. I let over a year go by, and somehow you picked the first Kevin Smith movie. Like, wow. that, blew, that blew my mind. Like, I was sitting wow. there watching something, watching something, and I was like, son of a bitch, he picked the first Kevin Smith movie. If you had bet me $1,000 that was going to happen, I'd be like, I got $1,000 coming to me in 60-something episodes. God, I should have bet $1,000. <laughs> At the beginning of this, you're like, hey, Ben. Bet you a thousand dollars I pick a Kevin Smith movie before you, and I'm like, I'm be like, yeah, I'll take that bet. I go, but you have to, you have to like spring it on me, and you're like, okay, and you're like, perfect. <laughs> then he saw the words comedies that might not age well, and he's just like, game set, Tyler. <laughs> Checkmate. And speaking um, of checkmate, this first movie is a, a game of chess, is it not? It, it it's a real yeah, it's a real cartoonish game of checkers back and forth from 1995 based in a mall it's about a couple of rats mall rats Kitty, 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 hey, kitty, Jay. Brody, man, noochie, noochies. And look at this shit, the mad, fat, chick killer. Can't believe how fast word travels in this time. Excellent. What's he doing? Uh, shit out here watched Empire and Jedi last week, and ever since he's been trying to do the Jedi mind trick. Crazy fuck thinks he'll levitate shit with his thoughts. Knock it off. The Force is strong with this one. Dude, don't encourage him. So I was just telling T.S. here we gotta find Jay and Silent Bob. If there's anyone that can help us out, it's the two guys that have even less to do than us. What is this shit? Everyone's looking for us today. We're ducking Trisha because she wants to talk to Obi-Wan here about her video setup. Why him? Silent Bob's an electrical genius. He won the science fair in eighth grade by turning his mom's vibrator into a CD player and some chicken wire and shit. Motherfuckers like MacGyver. No, motherfuckers better than MacGyver. Knock it off. And it's that kind of smarts we need, right, Mopey? Leave me out of this. So we need you to embark on a little sabotage mission on behalf of T.S.'s love life. You know about this game show thing they got going on here? Well, we need you guys to somehow ensure that it doesn't happen. Is that it? We're going to do that anyway. Really? Why? What else are we going to do? Sound Bobby stole a schematic of the station, some foolish carpenter, and found a weakness just like the fucking Death Star. He figures here, you pull this crossbeam out, fucking biggity bam, the whole stage comes crashing down. Well, we were thinking about something simple, but if you want to destroy the stage, hey, we're all for that. Only problem is LaForce. Who's LaForce? You don't know LaForce is? They don't know the forces. The forces are the most feared security guard in the business, man. 460 collars, all convicted. Ari's even got two kills. Holy shit, I never thought I'd see the day when two such highly reputable mischief makers as yourselves douse their drawers at the sight of a mall security guard. Shit, bitch, we're gonna bust out that stage like a high school kegger. We're just gonna out with LaForce X-Men style. Should I call you Logan Weapon X? No, Wolverine, snickety, snickety, snowing. What he's doing is imitating Wolverine's berserker attack with his adamantium claws. All right, guys, you have your mission. Go forth and wreak havoc. Bye, baby kitties. Damn, Sound Bomb, show some heart. That's better. We're on the job. Thanks. I have to admit, I'm shocked you didn't try to dissuade them. <laughs> I would if I actually thought for a second they could pull it off. Oh, ye of little faith. Want a cookie? 
we've never spoken about Mr. Kevin Smith, or as I like to call him, the nicest celebrity I've ever met. He seems like a really genuinely nice guy who is shocked that he (laughs) is as popular as he is. I'll say this. He was not born into film. He came into film, and I think that's the difference between most people who are really nice as celebrities and people who are not. Yeah. I was going to say, he's also from, like, a middle-class New Jersey yeah. background. And so, like... Oh, I mean, shit, it was actually lower middle-class. He even says, like, we ate government cheese. He talked about how, like, getting into college was, like, hard work. And he basically, like, put himself into debt to make clerks, which solid choice and decision. You're right. That is actually the start of his career. He makes clerks. And clerks kind of catapults him. Say what you will, who bought clerks and everything. It's not great, but... Oof. Let's just be honest. This one, actually, we don't have to woof it. Like, Mallrats does not have his name on it, which is great. Like, this is actually a guy who's pretty beloved in the community. Yeah, this was put out by... Gramercy. Yeah, okay. I was like, it's put out by someone I've, I've, like, forgotten about. They got purchased by Focus. That's why I thought it was Focus Features. Okay. Hmm. Because they put Focus Features put out the extended cut, which... Oof. Did you Um, watch the extended cut? No, I didn't. I started it, and I was like, this thank is so bad, I gotta, I'm gotta. just, just going to rent the fucking movie. Oh, thank God. Yeah, the extended cut is rough. It, it's just a, them putting in all the deleted scenes, which I'm like, they're deleted for a reason, my guys. Oh, yeah, you don't need that opening. That opening is so fucking slow. It's long. <laughs> it, the only thing that pays off is why he calls him Mon Frere when they first see each other. Mm. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's the only joke, and it, it, it doesn't even need that. Like, Mon Frere is just funny because, like, it's my brother. It's funny without needing it. Mm-hmm. There's a version of that you can watch where I think Kevin Smith, like, tell, like, the commentary is him talking about, like, what they cut, which is kind of interesting, but you're just like, dude, this is so much slower. I remember watching, like, all the deleted scenes where it would, like, Kevin Smith would do, like, a, oh, this is, like, what this movie, this is, like, what this scene was supposed to be, and also, like, kind of what we cut and why we cut it. He did and, like, that, that first scene is, like, Bob, nine too. minutes long. Oh, it's so long. That it opening takes place is nine at a minutes. governor's ball. The interesting thing about Marax coming off of Clerks is that Clerks is a... a zero-dollar budget. It's a zero-dollar budget, but it's also, like, kind of, like, a realist examination of, like, American slacker demon workforce at the time. And, like, it's just, like, a slice of life. It's one day. And it still holds up because, like, it's a snapshot of, like, what 1993 America kind of felt and looked like. Mallrats, on the other hand, but at is the same... kind of a cartoon. I'm so glad you said this. But at the same time, there is something to Clerks that puts it in this, this didn't happen universe. Mm-hmm. He has this innate ability to meld kind of the possible with the impossible. Like, mm-hmm. it's impossible for everything in Clerks to kind of happen in that one day. And yeah. yet it does. But, like, at the same time, like, he also builds and starts mythology. The connection to Mallrats and Clerks is pretty apparent. With women dying in uh, exactly. mid-backstroke. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where we begin. The beginning of this movie, the actual cut, the and I'll say it, the better cut is actually the theatrical cut. Brandy Svenning is going to Florida with her boyfriend, T.S. Quint. By the way... We, we get it. You like Jaws, Kevin Smith. We, we, we get it. 
Everybody in this movie, I think, is a reference to Jaws, right? With the three main characters? Yeah, the three main characters are. Quint, Brody, and... That's it, isn't it? There's another one, I thought. Brandy? Maybe it's Brandy. I thought there was a third character that was also named uh, after a Jaws character. Well, hold on. Who's left? Chief Bro... So Brody's the chief. Quint is the shark hunter. You would need uh, Hooper. Matt. Mm. No, there's no Matt okay. Hooper. Maybe not. Maybe no, not. no, it's just yeah, the, it's just the two guys who like. Yeah, okay. Oh, interesting. There is no Matt. Rule Hooper. of threes, Kevin Smith. No, no, it's no. Actually, he kind of adhered to the rule of threes. Did he? Well, the rule of threes is you don't do more than three. So technically, he didn't do more than no, three. No, the rule of threes is that you do that. You have a third one, and that's like how you. That's where you end it. I always thought the rule of three is you never go more than three. Like you can do one yeah, and two. You don't if go you more want. than three, but like. You what? Why? There, have a third. there are perfectly great movies that only have a sequel and don't have three. No, well, no, it's a joke thing. It's like a rhythm. It's like the rhythm. Oh, of, so like, you're comedy. pitching this more as a joke. Okay, you know what? I can give you that. You're right. Someone should have been called Matt Hooper. Who the fuck is there, Matt Hooper, though? Maybe don't call him Matt Hooper. Just have a guy named Hoop. No, that's what I'm saying. Is like, who's the Hoop in this movie? Is my question. Because uh... it's really just those. Oh, you know what? Jay and Silent Bob are kind of the Hooper. I was gonna say you could have one of them, but they're they're gotta be Jane Silent Bob because it's VSQ reverse. Anyway, so Lafleur's Lafleur's no. is a reference to something. Lafleur's is not Hooper because he has to be on their side. They well, all true, have to... but like, but Lafleur's is a reference to something. I forget what it was. Oh, for sure. All right, so TS is taking Brandy to Florida. He is going to propose to her. Where Jaws pops out at uh, Universal Studios Florida, Orlando. That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and. What ends up happening is because of the woman who died of an embolism, they need someone else for the game show that Michael Ricker's character, which is Brandy's dad, is putting on. So Brandy volunteered for it. It's called Truth or Date. It's a dating show. It's basically a ripoff of the dating game. Man, why can't they bring back or remake good shows like BJ and the Bear? Now there's a concept I can't get enough of, a man and his monkey. This movie, man, it really. Do you really... like this movie? Do you like? This I movie? do. I, I I watched it a lot as a kid because I was a huge Kevin Smith fan. My f- parents owned all he's, of the original. He's movies. an excellent entry point into filmmaking for people of our age. Well, yeah, and when you get older, you kind of realize like, oh, this is like the most simplistic filmmaking imaginable. <laughs> it is, but he's really good at it. Like he can be. He's he's playing in his own universe. This is his universe. Like, and he's I... expanding here. And he has a budget will, this time. I will, yeah, that's true. But I will say that I think this, of the like original five, is probably the weakest. This of the original five is the weakest. So we are yeah. saying Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Of like the original like view is like of, of the like of like of like the like of the of the Fab Five, which it is, because then it goes Jersey Girl, and that's the first break without Jay and Bob. Yeah, yeah. Because well, so Jersey Girl isn't in the View of Schoolers, and then you have Clerks Two, which I don't count because like now we're on a nostalgia tour. And Look, Clerks, <laughs> just Clerks like, Two, whatever. Clerks Two has some amazing moments. We're not going to get into that here. I can I'll defend that movie at another time in full. But for the five, let's see. So Clerks. Jam Bob Strike Back, Dogma, Mallrat. No, I think Chasing Amy's weaker. Chasing Amy is big time oh, disagree with Oh you. no, I'm sure it's your number one. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm sure I'm sure it's your number one if it is. I'm not saying it's not well made. 
it just doesn't do it for me. There are long stretches that are very slow. Granted, he's also trying to do something very differently. Whereas Jersey Girl didn't work for a lot of people. This, and it did for me, this worked for a lot of people. It doesn't work at times for me. It just feels very slow. Um, It's got great performances. I won't say anything bad about it, but that would be my number five out of those five. Mallrats is slightly ahead of it, but I just, I think Mallrats is just such fucking fun. Like from start to finish, you're having fun in this movie. I haven't seen most of the like chasing. Like I haven't seen most of those movies in a while. This is like the first time going back. It's really good, but it's just not like, it's just, it's good. Like I will say that, but it's just, it's number five. Like everything else has stronger qualities that appeal to me. I don't know. I think chasing Amy is him attempting like him shooting for, a more serious style of filmmaking. Oh, like, yeah. He was oh, clearly absolutely. inspired by like his friends in the indie film scene who were making like more like le- like he's he has said that he was inspired by the movie Go Fish, which is like an interesting thing for Kevin Smith to be inspired by. Like I would never imagine that he would even have seen that movie, but like he was friends with a lot of those people who were making those like that were in the new queer cinema movement of the nineties, and so like I think that's his attempt at something in that and so that's why i think chasing amy is the most interesting because it's him like not doing just a straight comedy i think dogma's also really interesting dogma's fantastic dogma's like my number three but clerks is his it's a masterpiece like clerks clerks just works from the start of it to the absolute end Mm -hmm. like and and it's just it's so raw and great jay and bob strike back is one of the funniest movies maybe ever put to film fight me on it and it's weird too jane bob is not the first one i ever saw which is usually why my number two falls there number three is dogma it's dogma is such a wild swing and it connects but it's not like a home run it's like inside the park triple what's so weird is is i think kevin smith for a period of time was like really oh he was good he he just kind of got distracted with other stuff. I think Zack and Miri really has left a scar we've never seen go away, which is a shame. That movie's very fucking beautiful in some ways. That movie has one scene that I remember being the funniest scene I've ever seen. And then, what is like, that? The rest, it's when it's the one Justin Long shows up <laughs> for like five, oh, five Justin minutes. Long is, Justin Long crushes it in that scene, to be sure. But there is a sadness and a beauty to like the romance between those two in that movie. Like there is like some really like beautifully done like romantic chemistry between Banks and Rogan. And I'll say this too. It's Rogan's most underappreciated performance in some ways. I like the idea of Zack and Mary make a porno. I just don't think that movie's very good. The problem was, too, they made them change the marketing. The marketing for it was so smart. I think, I also think Cop Out was. Oh, Cop Out was bad. Yeah, Cop Out was really really bad. And it's not just all the Bruce Willis stink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was producing it, and the other people were directing it, and they got fired. So. So TS is told by her, I have to do this game show for my father. He's an absolute monster, but you did kind of kill this girl who was going to be on the show because she had an embolism in her brain because you told her she l- would look fat on TV and she swam a bunch of laps and died. And T.S. doesn't take this well. 500 laps, yeah. Yeah. In the middle of her 700th, 700th lap, an embolism in her brain just went out. She's fucking dead? By the way, Jeremy London is the fucking golden ham winner every moment of this movie. It's because he has one mode, which is to overact, and it's it's He's, comical. Is he the weakest part of this movie? Yeah, maybe. 
Jeremy London is not alone in the uh, being broken up with business because she breaks up with him. She says, you're so selfish. Like, we can't go to Florida. You're being selfish. And the other man is Brody. Maybe my least favorite character to be around. Brody? <laughs> I think if Brody oh, like came up Brody's to talk great. to me, I would be like, I got to go the other way, man. I, I got I got things to do. Brody is great. I'm he's sorry. I love so him. exhausting. Oh, yeah. But that's the point. That's exactly what he's supposed <sighs> to be. But he fires up TS so much that TS gets it done. I don't know if that's the point, though. I, Brody, I think, is supposed to be like Kevin Smith. No, he is. Like, that's what that's what that's what he said about the character of Randall. He goes, I wrote all the best jokes for him. Oof. Also, also, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. Neither of these guys are in love with the women they're in love with. They're in love with each other. Like, that's what no one seems to understand. That's true. Yeah. Best so, friends. So Brody gets broken up with by Renee, and it's because he won't introduce her to his mother. It's for a lot of reasons. There, yeah, there's a lot of reasons, but that's one of the big ones. And she gives him a letter, and... T.S. comes over to Brody's house, and the two go down to his basement, where he lives clearly with his parents. Who didn't my live in a basement is, with their parents? Raise your hand. I, I mean, I, well, my parents didn't have a basement, so... By technicality... Do you think you would have at one point? Maybe. I, don't know. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have had a Sega where I paused the game and then picked up the game, because I was beating whomever 12 to 1 breakfast 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 look at the score for god's sake i'm only in the middle of the second and i'm winning 12 to 2 breakfast come and go renee now hartford the whale hey they only beat vancouver once maybe twice in a lifetime do you want to know the most interesting fact about the hartford whalers they stopped being a team two years after this movie coincidence is that true their oh, last season was i think 1997 they used to be an nhl team I did not know that. No, I know that. They have one of the most spectacular fights ever put to film, pretty much. Like, both benches clear. I mean, I'm not a hockey fan. I don't know much about the Whalers. I did look them up. And New Hartford, I think, is in Massachusetts. I believe. Yeah. And, yeah, they moved somewhere. I don't know where. Ontario. Who gives a shit? But um, I just thought it was funny that, like, this was... Like two years before they they stopped being a team, and the joke stopped making sense. <laughs> oh, stop! It's a good joke for the time. People who saw it laughed. It's all right. Yeah, the pe- yeah, the few people who saw it. What we'll get into those? how this this movie lost all of its money. <sighs> yeah. So he gets broken up with two. The two of them are like, "What the hell do we do?" There's a really crude joke about a blowjob that I completely forgot about. Yeah, it's it's rough. And I got to tell you, that's that's wrong. He's wrong. I'm just going to say that. Brody's wrong about a lot of things. Ah, he's not wrong at the end. I'll say that. I think he redeems He's himself. wrong about, like, a lot of things. Look, I think he's a different type of guy. I don't think this guy exists anymore. Yeah. I think fucking God. So they go to the mall, and uh, you know what? You get your you get a little nice thing here. Brody get, takes it to the head from a, from a scaffolding. That yeah, no, that, I think that's a funny. That's a fucking straight up just like a Looney Tunes bit. Well, that's the point. This is a cartoon. You said it earlier. Yeah, but like he's like you always gotta be face and forward. You gotta keep your eyes on the prize because you never know what's gonna happen. He turns immediately gets hit in the face by scaffolding. It's I good. Love- that's a funny bit. It's so good, too, because T.S. bends down. He goes, learn to heed your own advice. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? It is really like Daffy and Bugs, isn't it? It is. 
before we go much further, do you know anything about Jason Lee? In terms of, like, did he do something, I guess, is my question. Before Mallrats, do you have any idea what Jason Lee was, like, I don't to? think I could tell you anything, really. Mallrats, I think, is the first thing I know him from, but I'd be willing to listen to something that maybe I'm just unaware that he was in. I do believe Mallrats is his first, like, movie he was in. Prior to Mallrats, Jason yeah. Lee was a professional skateboarder. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here really yeah mind he, blown he's a good guy though nothing bad he's a good guy hey, um he bad. was he was in a video part called video days which is considered one of the most influential skateboard videos of all time really and most importantly was the first long skateboard video directed by can you guess who it was directed by spike jones spike jones oh man look at that we both did it this time you potentially called something right in the best of the week, and I definitely called Spike Jones right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Fucking what's wrong with you? Fucking ruined it for everyone. <laughs> you don't even know it. I, I may just leave it in to punish them. I really may. Like, I really may. And just like, I know a couple people who listen. I'd be like, hey, you should really watch Palm Springs before this date. Jason Lee popularized the 360 flip. Great skater. What? If you've, yeah. If you've never... He didn't invent it. Rodney Mullen invented it. But he definitely made it, like, popular. Like, if you watch Video Days, like, he's doing, like, 360 flips down, like, 10 stairs. It's I mean, he's really funny in this, dude. He's got good comedic timing. He does. He, for a period of time, ran a company called... Well, he still runs a a company called Stereo. But he was, like, their marketing material. It was, like, him as, like, Coach Frank. And he'd do, like, this funny voice. Anyway, Jason Lee, interesting guy. Yeah, very interesting. Who knew? They go, and they're like, what is this thing? And they're trying to figure it out. Um, They first run afoul of Willem, who is, like, a great returning joke. What I find so interesting about Kevin Smith's films is you get such an interesting characterization with, like, almost all of the characters. Like, you get, like, an insight into who they are as people. And even with, like, Willem, which is, like, a throwaway gag of a guy trying to, like, find the sailboat and a magic eye poster, you just get so much about him and just, like, the like his subtle nuances and, like, the way that he, like, talks. But, like, also just, like, the way he's dressed, like, the fact that when he runs into Shannon Dory, he calls her Brenda. So, like, he's clearly, like, fucking super tapped into something weird. Because that's, like, her 90210 character. Yeah, and like, yeah. Clearly that's supposed to be, like, a funny joke. But, like, it feels like he's living in, a, like, an alternate timeline. Like, it just, it, he feels different. And I feel like when comedies now have, like, a wacky character, they don't give him that much depth. They don't make him, like, sympathetic. His punchline could just be him yelling at children who see a sailboat. But, oh. like, there, he's, there's more oh. to that. Oh my god, though. Is it not, like, say what you will, like, by the way, the first meeting of the two men from My Name is Earl. Yeah. I've never put that together. Yeah, yeah. But can we agree, one of the greatest deliveries of a piece of dialogue has to be the moment where the kids come up and he goes, oh, it's a schooner, and he goes, (laughs) you dumb bastard. It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. You know what? There is no Easter Bunny! Over there, that's just a guy in a suit! And he's so confident. And the kid just goes, Schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. 
what? There is no Easter Bunny. Over there, that's just a guy in a suit. It's the funniest, like, 15 seconds of a movie in some ways. Like, yeah. it slays me every time. His blind confidence in knowing that, what, not knowing what a schooner is, is so funny. Yeah, no, Willem's a good character. I think even, like, the side, like, throwaway characters, like, they, he gives them enough depth to, like, be interesting, even if I don't like the depth. But, like, yeah, it's weird. I think Kevin Smith is a good writer, and I wish... I think, to get back to the Kevin Smith train, I think what happened is he became so concerned about, like, what critics said about his movies, because I remember there was a period of time after Jay and Silent Bob with, like, Clerks 2 and stuff like that, where he, like, would fucking lose his mind at, like, film critics, and it's like, dude, like, their job is to... is paid to write about movies. Like, it shouldn't matter, like, what... They say, like, it, you can't, like, be yelling at them. Like, and it, I think it left, like, a big distaste in my mouth that he would just constantly be like, well, what the fuck do film critics now? Like, they're just people who, like, aren't good enough to become filmmakers. And it's I mean, like, and that's, I agree with you. In retrospect, that is pretty effed up because that's kind of what we do. Like, we talk about movies. And we're not talk critics. About what, I don't, I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm a critic. I don't know if I'm a guy who just has a podcast who has the ability to voice his opinion. But if a critic is anything but an opinion, then yeah, I guess we are kind of. And we do talk about them objectively. We rate them and everything. It's such an odd movie. Like, in the way that, like, they kind of just meander through them all and, like, just stuff happens. And, like, I don't know. It's like, also, you just meet a lot of people along the way. Mm-hmm. We haven't even said it. We they run afoul of Ben Affleck's character, who there's a there's a real character. It's this is pre Goodwill Hunting Ben Affleck, right? I believe that is correct. Ben Affleck weirdly ride or die for Kevin Smith. Like I don't know what like if he's just good friends, like if like they're friends or he just like loves working with Kevin Smith. But he was in the I, reboot, right? I mean, dude, he's he's in. I mean, let's count them. This is the first. Mallrats, Amy, Dogma. Right, he's in Chasing Amy. Jersey, (laughs) he's the fucking lead of Chasing Amy. Well, technically, Joey Lauren Adams is the lead. Her name is in the title. Or excuse me, not her name. I'm sorry. No, actually, yeah, no, he is the lead. Yeah, it's it's from his perspective. Jersey Girl. So, yeah, he's in. Oh, yeah. He's in. He's in three. He's in. James on a Bob Strike Back. He has a cameo. He has two cameos. He plays. Holden McNeil, and he also plays Ben Affleck in one of the funniest scenes ever. Oh, right. Jesus, Ben, another dead hooker? Ha, no bullshit, I wasn't with a hooker today. Ha, ha! Let's see. He does Jersey Girl, so that's five. What does he do after Jersey Girl? I think it's Clerks 2? Yeah, I think he has a bit in Clerks 2. He's, yeah, he's the guy at the thing, so that's six. Then we go Zack and Miri, which he's not in. Yeah. He's not Red in State. Tusk or any of those. He's not in Red State or Tusk. He's not in Yoga Hosers, but he is in Reboot. So he's in like six of his movies, which is a lot. And honestly, dude, I'll tell you this. He fucking crushes it in Reboot for like his four minutes. He was being interviewed for like one of his Batman things and Reboot was like getting made. And they asked him like if he had gotten a call for it. And he said, no, like you're, you should ask Kevin Smith. Like uh, your guess is as good as mine. And because of that, Kevin Smith like wrote like a bit part for him to show up and reboot and call them, and he was there. It like, actually kind of ties the movie together. It's weird. Like it's weird how ride or die Ben Affleck is. I think he gets him. I think they are both guys who kind of came from nothing. Ben Affleck just happens to look like Ben Affleck. By the way, dude, 
just stop drinking. That shit is going to turn on you. You are going to look like a puffy Mickey Rourke. And that's not a good thing. He, I think, I think, I think, I think they just get it. I think, I think their sense of humor is very similar. Like, I think, I think Ben Affleck just kind of gets Kevin Smith. It's just, yeah, that's like my friend Kevin Smith. Like, he makes movies. I star in movies. Like, this makes sense. I mean, he's his fucking De Niro, man. He is. It's great. I think Affleck. We've never, I've never put that together until today. He totally is his fucking De Niro. Jersey Girl, dude, say what you will. Jersey Girl is fucking sweet. Like, Jersey Girl is his attempt at a Mel Brooks movie, correct? Not Mel Brooks. How, uh, how James? F- oh, oh man! I was like, Wrong How fucking dare you? I would more say it's his attempt at a John Hughes movie. Like he says, John it's Hughes very heavily influ- influenced by "She's Having a Baby." That's a Hughes movie. Yeah, that's a Hughes movie. I think that's his penultimate one before Curly Sue, and then he st- untimely kicks off. Well, he doesn't make a movie for like ten years, and then untimely kicks off. Yeah, very true. Because yeah, John Hughes had uh, money to burn. We may never do a Kevin Smith Mount Rushmore, but goddamn, this might be it right here. <laughs> we like just kind of in so many different directions. I know, but it's all been about him. Like it's all been about this movie, and because there's True. so many, there's so many characters. They also come to Jay and Silent Bob. I mean, what do we have to say about Jay and Silent Bob? Talk actually, this is like the weirdest Jay cartoon. and Silent Bob. Yeah, this is actually the we- the weirdest Jay and Silent Bob of all the Jay and Silent Bobs. I think it's also maybe the well, no, chasing no. Amy. They're not in chasing Amy like at all. I mean they they have a whole they have a pivotal scene at the end. They have a monologue that Kevin Smith gives to yeah. Ben Affleck's character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dogma. They're like sort of like this. I feel like this movie treats them as like cartoon characters. I think that's a bold choice because the whole movie kind of feels like it's in a cartoon, but like. You feel like you're in like a cartoon of a cartoon. Oh, they're like they feel slapsticky. Well, they have plans. They okay, so here's the thing. Here's what I will say. Clerks is treating them like I would almost say the way you would tell a story about people from back in the day. Does that make sense? Like they're mm-hmm. almost a little embellished right there, right? Yeah. Second part, mall rats. They are treated like full-blown cartoon characters. Dogma, they are treated like comic book characters. Mm. And I will say for Jay and Bob, that is maybe even now like a modern day cartoon character. Yeah. And then where do we go from there? Clerks 2, they are kind of almost like back to their role of observing because it's more about the clerks at that point. They feel like goofy sidekicks in Clerks 2. They do feel like goofy sidekicks in Clerks 2. And we don't see them again till reboot, where they are kind of the last gunfighters riding off into the sunset. I think I should watch reboot. Reboot is so fucking fun, dude. There's a moment that almost made me cry. I will legitimately admit that. Like, and dude, it involves Affleck. It's really good. Yeah. So they find out this stage is being erected, and this stage is the game show that Brandy's father is putting together. It's just. The dating game. Like, if you've yep. seen the set for the dating game, it's the same thing. Yeah. You got a you got a big heart-shaped chair. You got a wall. You got a guy named LaFleur's. I hear he even has two kills. <laughs> What's I your favorite involved... them trying to take out the stage? I love the, the Batman one. Because that one's, like, the goofiest one. But there is something about him stepping on the, like, kid's 
roller uh, skate thing. Ro- like it's like a car. It's a truck. Yeah, it's like a little dump truck, but he steps in it. Also, when they that hard like, cut into that kid's eyes and he just like squints them, you're just like, nice. That's kind of goofy. I don't. I think their stuff is really goofy. I wish there was like, I love them like escaping where they just he like, where like Silent Bob runs past the like Lafours and the... hands in the quarters too. Yeah, but like no, when they're like chasing after them outside of the mall, and like Silent Bob runs past oh, Lafour, like like somehow he's just faster. He's just faster than they are. I mean, I'll say it. One of uh, there are two deliveries from Jay in this movie that are amongst my favorite deliveries. One is my fattest line. Yeah, and I love. And the thing is, too, it's cool that he says that. Unlike certain movies coming up. Because mm. Kevin Smith wrote that line. Like, yeah. like he's like, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Like, whatever. It's funny. Like, like, that was, I mean, that was Kevin Smith's thing for a while. It was like, oh, he's yeah. very I'm, rotund. Yeah, he goes, I'm a fat dude. And now he's like, thin. Well, you, triple bypass will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, very true. I think he has to have like a vegetarian diet because of like how bad his health was. Oh, so you don't think that's just him becoming vegan? You think he had to? I think there's a little bit of like... Because have you seen when he was, like, at his biggest? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he was a big fella. Like, no shame. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense that, like, now that he's, like, thin, it's like, yeah. No, no. You're you're making all the sense in the world. (laughs) Yeah, he has a vegan diet. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's because he has to. Interesting. So we find out that she's gonna, Brandy's going to be auctioned off, essentially, on this, and T.S. is not cool with this. She's not. She would have never gone on the date with the guy. She's in love with T.S., and, like, he just can't see that for some reason. And that's kind of the yeah. premise of the movie, like, is that's them the trying thing. to stop like, this game show. Both these guys, I'm just like, you guys just really, like, all you got to do is just take a day, think about it, and just, like, be slightly better than you are. Exactly. <laughs> like, Brody, you need, like, I think Brody needs to go to some therapy. Maybe sign up for some community college courses. We could we could go through the whole movie step by step because there is a lot of different scenes. That's the thing about this movie. It keeps constantly going. It's also a slice of life, day in the life movie, too. Very much in the same way that Clerks was. Although I think Clerks clearly is inspired by maybe one of my favorite movies. Kevin Smith has said it was inspired by like Do the Right Thing, like Day in the Life, like one day thing. Mallrats feels kind of hastily put together like it all sort of mm-hmm. pays off and it all works but oh yeah it, there's just it's missing something that like clerks had before we get to the big game show at the end because that is the last scene i think we have to talk about that what is your favorite scene in the movie that we have not spoken about and, and then we'll move on to the final event i always laugh at the running bit about the kid on the escalator that kid is back on the escalator again I don't know what that it is about that bit. It's still on the escalator. But I, I think about that bit all the time. I think it's great. You know why? Yeah. Because we respected the escalator, Tyler. I respected the escalator. Fuck Maybe yeah. a little too much. I also like Joey Lawrence Adams like stealing underwear, like very clearly, like shoplifting. And I don't know. There's just some good. There's just some good. This is or, this is oh, by actually, the way. By the way, he dates her soon after this. He, yeah, yeah. Chasing Amy is like about their relationship a little bit. Oh no, I know. Oh, like, Only, but like a little bit. Oh yeah, Um, sure. When they beat up the Easter Bunny is also funny. (laughs) By the way, the cutest little girl. Bye bye Easter Bunny. And then like, and then just he goes, "Hey guys, you gotta wait." He goes, "This is for Brody," and just punches him. So, 
They eventually get chased out of the mall. They go to the dirt mall. They meet a topless fortune teller. By the way, it's so funny. I like that Brody's repulsed by it, even though it's like totally natural and fine. And Brody's oh, yeah. like, oh my God, a third nipple. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's as clear as the light of day. She tells them they got to go back and settle their shit. TS is inspired by it. Brody also gets beat up by Ben Affleck, who says he's going to date his girlfriend now and penetrate her in a very uncomfortable place, which the joke seems to become, what, like the back of a Volkswagen? Ho, 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 ho. Yeah, it's not great. It's one of the few jokes that doesn't hold up. They get back and they go on the game show. Jay, Jay knocks out the two of the three contestants. And we get the second connection to the universe. We get Gil Hicks, who is obviously who's, related to Dante Hicks from Clerks. Because he's, he's played by the same man, Brian exactly. O'Halloran. Who is and it does feel great like, in this movie. He's great. It also feels like Brian O'Halloran maybe enjoyed being in Clerks a little bit. A little bit. He put on some weight for this role, I think. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's like some coke blow. Like, that's like having a little bit too much fun. <laughs> Or maybe just the beard. So you're like, saying he just ate all the snack cakes at the place? Well, I mean, you know, a little, little nose candy, a little fun, you know, you know, float oh, up a little bit, put on some water. Oh, weight. interesting, interesting. No judgment. I, I truly think, I do think not he's care. Method acting, honestly. I think. I, I think. Yeah, like, maybe he Gil just had a added good enough line to get himself in. He's like, my father owns a boating company. Like, I could, we could use one of the boats. I uh, love the like bit of like smoking out the the other two contestants and they're just like lying there and just, they're in a munchy hole. I think that's very All funny. All it took was that's a fat, chronic blunt. These guys were lightweights. Uh, my favorite thing is that like the weed that they're smoking then is significantly worse than the weed that I smoke oh, now because oh mine God, comes from a store. Oh, I know. I know. I was just sitting there. I was like, I was like, they have no idea what's coming. Like, and Kevin Smith's not even a weed smoker at this time. He apparently didn't smoke cigarettes until Clerks. Oh, that's so great. Did you ever hear that story? He was so stressed on the set of Clerks that he developed like a two-pack-a-day habit. Well, good for him, I guess. I don't know. He'll probably be dead sooner. I'm sorry for him. Yeah, it's probably stressful to make a movie. So they get on the game show, and Brandy starts asking questions. TS is obviously, like, going for the throat, being like, hey, you listen to your heart. And Brody is just making a mockery of this game show. All the while, shaking the hand of Mr. Svenning, who (sighs) has eaten chocolate-covered pretzels that Brody has touched with his ass hand, which I guess is... The grossest joke in the movie? It's definitely something. Yeah, it it's is. It's up there. I mean, what do, what do we say about this scene? I love how he just slams the host like four times. I just love the host just like sitting there silently and just like smiling. Like That's my favorite part is anytime they catch the host and he's just like... Richard Dawson, go back to your podium until it's time to play the feud. <laughs> Not just yet, Pat Sajak. Art James is who played Bob Summers, host of Truth or Dare. Is that what that is? I think is? he's good. I think he's like the perfect Truth or Date. Um, truth or I Date, think he's like that's the, right. I think he's kind of like the perfect like guy for it. He just has such good timing. By the way, how good is Michael Rooker in the movie? This is like, have, the we... first movie I ever saw Michael Rooker in. When I was watching it, I was like, all right, we need a, we need a funny straight guy. Uh, quick, give me the guy from Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. <laughs> I do love, too, like, apparently he was going to have a really bad gray wig, and then uh, at one point, Michael Rooker was like, I don't think I look old enough to be her do- to be her father, and they go, and he goes, what if you were just bald? And he goes, I like it, and they threw the wig in the trash, apparently. It wasn't a wig. He was going to dye his own hair, and then he shaved his head off. Like, he shaved ah. his hair off. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like, nah, bald is better. 
Interesting. I mean, it I works. heard that he was dying, but that's the IMDb. So maybe he was going to have a wig. I don't fucking know. This was his. This was his madcap attempt to be what do you call Woody Harrelson himself. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's, he's been bald the rest of time after this movie. He. He. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't really. It never really. I'm a natural back. born killer. Is it? Just going back. Some goodbye horses is playing in the background. He's crying as he's just shaving off the remnants. But yeah, it goes horribly. I mean, for like every reason a game show should go bad. But T.S. gets the girl because he's not being selfish anymore. Like he learns. And yeah, and not only that. Oh, also Brody meets his hero, Stan Lee. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is apparently he didn't think that they would be able to get Stan Lee. And so he wrote it to be like a Stanley like like villain character and then just through like an acquaintance they got to ask if Stanley wanted to be in the movie and Stanley was like yeah of course. It's <laughs> me in the movie? Deep. Duh. Yeah, he's like he goes he goes he goes he goes here here's $200 and they go what's this? He goes oh I'm paying you. This is my per diem for being in the movie. And like they go they go no no we pay you Stanley goes what? Everyone else has just been telling me I need to pay them. Like that's when Stanley realized I'm gonna make those Marvel movies big, and uh, I'm gonna be in every one of them. Yeah, it's like essentially, like <laughs> he also didn't know the words, like his dialogue. So yeah, they had, they had to, have to write it on cards. cue cards. So that's why he's constantly looking to the left or the right of Brody. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of frames it in a nice way, actually. Yeah. So it almost feels like he's talking to us. True. Trust me, um, true believer. Yeah, so Brody Brody gets up on stage and he takes the mic and he's like, the uh, the girl down there, she's got something that belongs to me. And it doesn't sit well with Ben Affleck. He's going to kick his ass. We are shown a video of something which I've saved this to the end specifically. This is the hardest thing to walk off about this movie. I'm not 100% sure about. Uh, so there's this character named Trisha Jones. Who Trish the is Dish. Com- Trish the Dish. Who is compiling? Nobody, nobody calls me that. Yeah, that's only the it's a Brody thing. Um, who's comp- who's writing a book called Borgasm and is compiling the sex drives of men from fourteen to thirty, which wouldn't be fine because fourteen pretty low number. And you might be wondering, like, wow, that's a really low number. Why is it so low? It's because she herself, even though being played by someone who is clearly in her mid to late twenties, is fifteen and. It's not good. That's not a good look. It's real, real weird. I mean, and the joke, like, I mean, like, she. I will say this. He does cover his ass by saying, are your parents aware of this? And she goes, yeah. Like, like, it almost seems like she's very progressive. Like, almost like she's almost like a weird future character who'd be like, yeah, like, like I'm tackling the subject as like, as like a researcher. Like, that's kind of where the way he tries to, but it's like, why 15? Like, so the interesting thing is I think Kevin Smith clearly doesn't want to portray female sexuality as an inherently negative thing. Mm-hmm. And it's something where, like, he clearly wants this to be, like, sort of a positive representation of this character. But, like, her being 15 is very clearly a plot point because it has to be below what could be considered the, like, threshold of yeah. statutory rape. Because 16 is where it is in some places, so 15 is clearly, like, the great upon number because essentially what has to happen is Shannon Hamilton, Ben Affleck's character has to be arrested for statutory rape at the end 
because that's how it all fucking comes together. And instead of writing yourself out of this and doing something completely different, he backs himself into a very awkward and weird corner. And I don't like it. It really just, it doesn't, it, is, it leaves it a is, weird taste in your mouth. Yeah, it is the part that kind of falls apart. Wow, we tied this up nicely. And the video you see is Ben Affleck having sex with her. The look on her face in the video is so funny because of how bored she looks. Yeah, she looks like she's about to fall asleep. And she's actually might be doing her nails at one point. Like, she might be, like, looking at <laughs> her nails. That's what she's doing. And she's, like, yeah. looking at her nails. So, and, like, the two cops arrest him. And the, the crowd breaks up from the game show. And Michael Rooker is told, no, you, you don't get to have your game show. But this guy should take over hosting duties for The Tonight Show to Brody. And T.S. gets the girl. And Renee and Brody get back together. And we get some awesome post credits. Minus oh. the Shannon Hamilton bit. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's not good that he's also sexually assaulted. Like, I mean, I guess you could I guess you could argue the crime fits the punishment. But like it's also one of those things where it's like prison rape trigger true. warning. Prison true. assault. True. Is not bad. not great. And is is a underreported thing. Yeah, very true. He shouldn't be like, oh, it's so good that he got like assaulted in prison. Because it's not. It's like yeah. can, it's like a constant. The rest of them are good. The rest of them are good. It's pretty good. When Brody uh, gets pushed out in front of the crowd and that suit is just too big on him. Like, that's funny. I like that it's like a riff on Fast Times Red High. It's like the same font and everything. Yeah. You get a hint at Jane's on above Strike Back, which would not come out for like nine, like six more years, seven more years. Yeah, but it's, but it's kind of great, though, like that he eventually did close that loop. Yeah. And that was meant to be the end of the VOSQ reverse. Like, that was... Uh, Clerks, too, like you said, it's that extra little... I mean, like, he, he... I'll give him credit. When he shot that scene with God closing the book, she closed it, and there were still a couple more pages. So I appreciate that that exists. I guess we gotta get to the final two questions. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you pair Mallrats with? I would pair it with Chasing Amy for the simple fact that I think they... I think that... A, we could get you to show up to watch it so we could at least sell one ticket. And two, it's interesting to see him do two very different versions of Jay and Silent Bob. Because Jay and Silent Bob and that are, like, downright real, almost. Yeah. Uh, They kind of come in as, like, real characters. And Chasing Amy feels more like the the real life. And I think, is Brody a character in that? Or is Jason Lee a different character? No, Jason Lee is... He's Banky Edwards in that. I think in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, he shows up as both characters. He showed I think up, he's he Brody shows up, at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, he's Brody in the comic shop, and then he's Banky Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I doubt it, Sega boy. Good luck with the comic book shop. You know the third, you know the second Mallrats was supposed to take place in a mall, and he had a comic book shop in the mall? The second Mallrats is still happening, right? Twilight of the Mallrats? No. Wasn't that announced, like, last year? Oh, was it? No, I heard it wasn't happening and it fell through. Okay, well, I yeah. guess I'm wrong. So, yeah, I do Chasing Amy. What do you give this? I think I give it two and a half. I wow. I still think it's enjoyable. I think it's... I don't think I'll... I think I'll probably watch it again sometime, but, like, I don't think it's held up spectacularly well. I can. I think being good. around Brody really frustrates me. <laughs> I completely agree. I would give this like four, but that's that's just me. Like it's fun. This this movie has a lot of nostalgia for me. I don't think there's a ton that holds up really poorly. I it has a lot of nostalgia with me. I just think like the two main characters I thought were so 
I just like didn't want to be around them anymore. So <laughs> like, I guess I guess the question is this: Does this go in your holds up or doesn't hold up section? I think it's like uh, I don't know. Like the, the fucking fifteen year old angle really fucking bothers me. So like I think it mostly holds up, but like there's some of it. I'd be like approach with caution. You can't put it in the center. People are gonna trip over. You can't put it in mostly holds up. Unless you want to build like a little like thing where we dangle them from the ceiling and people might hit their heads on them. Okay. If we're talking about the uh, in, in regards to the next movie, whether that movie holds up or doesn't hold it up, I think the, I think Mallrats holds up better. Yeah, I agree. What about our next movie? Does our next movie hold up to you? Our next movie brought a, brought along the resurgence of dodgeball. Which is actually a sport that was competitively played, and I did watch people play dodgeball in the years following this movie. I don't know why I find dodgeball to be incredibly funny to watch, because it's grown men playing what is essentially a PE sport. Grown men and women, I should say. From 2004, starring Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller, directed by Rostin Marshall Thurber. Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Hey there, Timmy! Ah! Holy mackerel, mister. You scared the jeepers out of me. How would you like to take a break from that fine lead-based paint and learn about dodgeball? Boy, would I! You're in a Chinese opium den, Timmy. This is where the sport of dodgeball was invented in the 15th century by opium-addicted Chinamen. But back then, the Chinamen threw severed human heads at each other instead of the ADAA-approved balls we use today. <laughs> ADAA? That's the American Dodgeball Association of America. Dodgeball is played with six players on each team and six rubber balls. The object of the game is to eliminate the opposing players. Once all the players on one team are eliminated, the opposing team wins. Wow, I can't wait to get the fellas together and play. Whoa, whoa. Hang on a second there, sport. Patches O'Hulahan. That's right, Timmy. Patches O'Hulahan. Seven-time ADAA All-Star is here to take you the rest of the way. Jeepers, really? You betcha, champ. If you catch a ball that's thrown at you before it hits the ground, then the player who threw that ball is out, not you. Plus, another player from your team gets to come back into the game. It's a two-player swing. Gee, thanks, Patches. I can't wait to start my own team at school. Atta boy, Tiger. But remember, dodgeball is a sport of violence, exclusion, and degradation. So, when you're picking players in gym class, Remember to pick the bigger, stronger kids for your team. That way, you can all gang up on the weaker ones, like Winston here. <laughs> nice one, son. You'll be an all-star yet. Just remember the five Ds of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Till next time, this is Patches O'Hoolahan saying take care of your balls. They'll take care of you. Dodge, dip, dive, duck, and dodge. <laughs> Patches O'Hoolahan. By the way, can we agree 
that this is one of the great two people playing one character moments. Mm-hmm. I ain't crazy and I ain't a guy. If you want true dodgeball, you gotta grab it by its haunches and hump it into submission. Mall rats is R, right? Yeah. Okay, dodgeball is PG-13. That does not make any fucking sense to me. Right? Okay, I'm so glad we're on the same page. Like, Mallrats is much filthier. Mm-hmm. But, oh, for like, sure. This movie feels darker in so many aspects. Well, it's a very interesting idea, because this movie reminds me a lot of movies where it's like, there is a single premise, and if you do not deviate from that single premise, if you do not shift away from that single premise, you are going to be fine. The minute you attempt to, you fail yourself. The closest one I can think of, and I won't tell you what I'm going to pair my movie with, because that's that would be a prime example of it. The best thing I can explain this with is Caddyshack. Caddyshack for a long time holds the premise of it's about a golf course. It then shifts at one point, and it doesn't quite work. And it gets back Ah. on track by the end, which makes it still really, really good. But there's a movie I'm thinking of to pair this with that I think does it a lot better. But we'll get to that at the end. So Dodgeball is a pretty simple premise, which is another guy named Lafleur. Holy shit, did you do that on purpose? Nope, uh, I wish I did. He owns Averjo's Gymnasium, just like dilapidated. He's like way behind on payments. He's defaulting on everything. And next door, there's a there's Globo Gym, which I think is supposed to be like a riff on Gold's Gym, owned by White Goodman, which that's a funny bit, I think. It's a very clever movie. It's, it's, it's maybe a little too clever for its own good sometimes. I think it's too clever for its premise. Yeah. So essentially what happens is that gym buys and forecloses on average Joe's. So... They have to raise five thousand dollars in a month. No, no, or fifty thousand dollars. My bad. Fifty thousand. I'm like, I'm like, this movie, be, this movie wouldn't happen if it was five thousand. Yeah, no, they'd, they'd be able to raise that fifty thousand dollars in a month, and they realize that what they got to do is go to Las Vegas, join a dodgeball tournament, and yeah, essentially, like, get good at dodgeball. It's a pretty basic sports movie premise of like the good guys got to win because of this. I remember this movie, it came out in 2004. I remember mm-hmm. it being a, like, schoolyard favorite. I um, did not see this in theaters. I didn't either. Oh, so interesting. How interesting. Because bo- most people I know saw this in theaters. It was huge. And I didn't hear about it until it, like, came out on home video. Oh, I, I, think like, when it, I think when it hit DVD and cable, it was, like, it was, like, massive. It became it Here, like doubled. So but like here's, it made a hundred million dollars in theaters. That's really good. I bet this movie like one hundred sixty-seven million. million. That's massive. That's a what huge. Did, what smash did it cost to make? Twenty million. Oh my god, that was enormous. So, it was released the summer of two thousand four, and I remember getting to school, and everyone was like quoting it and talking about it, and I was like, "What the fuck? I haven't even heard of this movie," and. When it came out on home video, I was like, we got to rent this. And I remember my family was like, oh, yeah, that was really funny. Good find. Way to go. Like two summers, I was like, okay, here's Dodgeball and here's Scrubs. Two things I'm pretty sure don't hold up. Scrubs. <laughs> like sucks. at all. Yeah, I like Scrubs. Um, look, look, I don't look, think, look, I think it sucks it's now. It's fine. Like, it's fine. But it's just like, you're like, eh, like there's better stuff. I 
definitely think f- this movie has its moments that are really funny. I think there are definitely jokes. I think that still work. But for the most part, a large swath of this movie, I think, well, is like, pretty bad. Do you know why I think this movie works? This has potentially the best well-rounded comedic cast I've ever seen. It's like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a good cast. Vaughn is amazing as the hero, the put-upon hero, who's kind of, like, self-aware enough. Like, he's pretty much a straight man. And Ben Stiller is amazing. He's doing Judge Smales just as a workout guy. Mm-hmm. Christine Taylor, who is, by the way, must have been weird to have to do, like, love scenes just with your husband sitting off set, I wonder. No. <laughs> You think Ben was like, Ben was like, yeah, get it. Because they never really have a love scene. Like, they have, like, a kiss, right? At the very end is a huge kiss. Yeah, whatever. It's acting. I guess that's true. Christine Taylor plays the woman who is helping Globo Jim foreclose. She's, like, the lawyer who they're both kind of smitten with. But the thing is, like, the secondary cast below them, because they're, like, the three leads, in my opinion. Mm. The secondary cast below them is amazing. Steven Root is so funny in this movie. Steven... Wait. Has any... No, it's not Steven Root. Someone else. Who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of the, the principal in from... Principal from... Um, thinking about the, I'm thinking of the principal from uh, Ferris Bueller. No, that's Ed Rooney. Yeah, he's the one that uh, is bad. Don't... don't, don't yeah, no, no. Google. Steven Root's a good guy. No, Stephen Root's, no, Root's the blind man from um from yeah, Get yeah, Out. No. I, yeah. I was like, oh no, Stephen Root. Like I was like, oh no, that guy. And then it wasn't that guy, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to watch a movie with the fucking I think your I think your spoiler alert should be as Stephen Root is to good as whoever that guy's name is to bad. Yeah, that guy's bad. And then we'll just hyperlink both the names so they can remember. Yeah. The other guy's in Deadwood, right? Uh yeah, he is. The big There's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. That guy. That I don't guy. like that guy. Yeah, he's got a real uh, Errol Flynn thing about him. It's worse than that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's very true. Significantly worse. Yeah, it's, that's pretty true. I don't know. That's pretty bad, too. Let's say they're both yeah. bad. Let's, and they're let's keep going bad, on to Dodgeball, is... which stars Steven Root as well. And he's amazing. One, one I think, in, the, in society's view, is clearly very, 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 very bad. You could argue Steven Root is the reason they saved the day. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the one that's like, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got this. We got, there's a dodgeball tournament. Yeah, and because that's the thing. Reads Obscure Sports Weekly. Obscure Sports Quarterly, the OSQ. Quarterly. That's even funnier. I know. Um, oh, yeah, the OSQ. Yeah. And then you have Justin Long. He's also in it. Even the guy before him, the guy who's the, who becomes like kind of the assistant coach, is really great. Rip Hold on, we're going to... He's the guy who falls in love with Missy Pyle's character. Oh, yeah. Not new guy, but the other guy who was kind of like new guy. Joel David Moore. Yeah, Joel David Moore is fantastic. Yeah, as Owen. And Chris Williams as Dwight is great. But, I mean, none of them. And Justin, and you're right, Justin Long is really strong, too. And they all, they all have their little things they're doing throughout the movie. That's the other mm-hmm. reason. They're all doing their things, but they're all revolved around the main plot, which is save average Joes by playing dodgeball. That's literally the plot of this movie. I think this movie stumbles upon a hidden comedic secret, which is just hit Justin Long with things. It's so funny. 
wrenches, just, just, balls, just put cars. Justin Long in pain, pretty much, is what it is. Pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, the sad thing is, though, they're all really good, like, every single one of them. Steven Root comes close, like, at times. Like, his anger scene is absolutely incredible. But no one can hold a candle to Alan Tudyk as Steve the Pirate. Gar. Gar, Steve. <laughs> The red, the dread pirate Steve being nomad. Why is he a pirate? So when I reference like w- the Walter stuff and like having like a weird character, wait, the I Walter. love Alan Tudyk. I think he's a great character. I think he's a great character actor. I think he's really good in this role. Wait, wait, who's Walter? Oh, William, William, my oh, bad. Oh, Willem. Oh, okay, Willem. From the other movie. My bad. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I get sure. W names confused. No, no, I get you. It's a stupid letter. It should be eliminated. And yeah, well, fuck, fuck anything. WXYZ, w- get out of here. You know, I'm going um, to say this. To, yeah, they do really feel phoned in, don't they? Yeah, th- just those those letters. <laughs> it's like, we need weird shit. We need two letters that I'm make I'm going to say this. Anything after, anything after P, fuck it. No, I like V. Statement. You know what? We anything after O's. V. Anything after V. Um, yeah, W, X, Y, and Z. You're absolutely right. Fuck it. Anything after V is not my thing. I have a Y in my name, and I'm still like, yeah, get it out of here. <laughs> Tiller. Yeah, I like Tiller better. What's up, Tiller? <laughs> so, Willem, I think, you get, like, an interesting character sketch. With Steve the pirate, he's just a pirate. It makes no and sense. I do- think it's funny that they like never explain it like i kind of think that that's like okay like that's funny but like he doesn't get anything else (laughs) like at all like he's just that i mean he does i'll say this he alan tudyk is so dialed into that character like i love the moment where they get their first they get their because they have to win a qualifying match like that's one of the few scenes i want to talk about they have to win a qualifying match for to enter the dodgeball tournament in Vegas, which the winning prize is $50,000. And they get there, and they say, who are we playing? And he goes, Troop 214. And Alan Tudyk goes, Christ, we're playing Boy Scouts. <laughs> and it just, he goes, not exactly. And then it just cuts over. It's just a bunch of Girl Scouts. And Alan Tudyk just goes, bollocks. <laughs> he just gets it. It makes no sense why he's a pirate. It feels like a weird bit that they're like, oh, that'd be funny. And then they just, like, never explain it. And part of it is, like, that's funny to, like, just not explain something. It is. But, like, none of the other characters get any sort of depth. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, Justin Long, he's like, oh, yeah, he's the guy who wants to be, like, a cheerleader. Like, Owen Dittman is, like, just a weirdo. That other guy is, like, you know. He works at the gym. I mean, yeah, like. Steven Root is sad like that's it like that's no Stephen Root's character is he like he loves working out and he has a wife who absolutely hates him the mail order bride thing is it's not great it's not great but she sucks at the same time it's just but like i don't know i feel like all of the asian stereotypes in this movie are fucking just putrid what else is there what's the other asian stereotype there's this one and then there's the the japanese team who are um, called the kamikazes, and it's this, just a fucking barrage of Asian jokes, and it's fucking this, absolutely awful. It's not great. I'll, I'll grant you it's not great. I will, I'll, I'll give you that, but, I mean, it's okay, but, okay, how to put this? No, I can't. I'll, you know what? We'll get to that problem at the end. I will also say this. Justice for Lori Beth Denberg, she's better than that performance. Is that who 
That's who sits on Justin Long's face. Oh, okay. Is the best yeah. way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Jesus like, fucking Christ. The whole shit. So she's so funny in all that. Like, and they never use her weight as a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it doesn't work. It's not necessary. Just have a scene where like Justin Long breaks his dick or something. Like I like didn't even realize that was Lori Beth Denberg. She's like, so was... fucking funny most of the time. And I'm not saying she's not funny in scenes of that movie. Like when she winks at Justin Long, it's so funny. But like she's just... got great timing, but she A doesn't say anything. She doesn't have yeah. any lines. Oh, it's Her terrible. Whole it's, joke is, she's is fat. that she's fat. And, and like, that's like, fucking that's ugh, yeah. this movie ha- hates fucking fat people. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, that's them. the point of White Goodman. White Goodman's whole thing is he hates them because they're average. Like and that's where, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think Ben Stiller hates fat people. I don't think, uh, well, maybe, but... I don't know, he's always yoked in every movie he's in. He's especially yoked in this movie. By the way, Tyler, I don't need your address when we come up there eventually to see you. It's called the Freedom of Information Act. The hippies got something right. I love how wrong he is every moment he speaks in this movie. I think one of the like highlights of this movie is Ben Stiller's performance because he is dialed in. Is so good at playing a character who is equally like equally dumb and like doesn't and like obtuse and doesn't know what's happening or what's going on, and just extremely confident in every every movement. You're not wrong. I mean, here's the thing: he is like if Tony Perkis from his movie Heavyweights became successful and like opened a gym afterwards. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like he's like the evolved version of Tony Perkis from the heavyweight movies. And essentially what happens is they win the dodgeball game against the uh, the Girl Scouts, not because of like sheer skill or anything, but because one of the girls tested positive for three different types of anabolic steroids and a rare beaver tranquilizer. <laughs> I will say the little girl who goes, God damn it, Bernice! <laughs> it's so funny. That's a why, that's why a does funny that thing. hold up? Why can that hold up? There are aspects of it that are just really good, like just very funny. Oh. Like Goddamn Bernice is very funny. Some of what Cotton says is very funny. Some of what uh, what? What Pepper and Cotton, like the the Cotton McKnight and Pepper oh, Brooks oh, back and forth. We'll that could be pretty them. good. We'll get to them. So they go uh, out to celebrate, and Catherine tells Vince Va- LaFleur's LaFleur's character. Hey, I'm I'm glad you you guys won. I hope you guys defeat White Goodman. I think he's a creep too. And like White Goodman shows up and it's at this point that we get what kind of the standoff that White Goodman and his team which are made up of Blade, Laser, Blazer, his fitness consigliere Michelle and Stran Straskanelovich Nelovicha. She's the deadliest woman in the world with a dodgeball. When the movie leans into just straight goofy shit, camp, straight camp, <laughs> just straight. Well, it's not camp, but it it's it's just straight like just wacky goofy humor, like absurdity, like blade, leave, laser, and leave, blazer. Like that shit's leave funny. The real world, you leave the real world. Yeah, it's a heightened goofiness. Like when it's goofy and fun and weird, that's when it's like at its best. But like when it's like I don't know, there's like just moments where I'm just like, what the fuck. <laughs> Like, so, that's terrible. Yeah, so they both go to Vegas, the two teams, and they have to compete. First people that Average Joe's has to compete against are the Germans, which would be scary enough in its own right. The only problem is their uniforms didn't show up. 
yeah, and so they've got to dress up. Uh, so they're <laughs> S&M gear. By the way, the guy in the crowd who goes, hey, asshole, you guys suck! <laughs> I'm just like, who is that dude? I hope he was paid. That guy got a fucking SAG card because of that. I hope so. I think I got um, 10 years of healthcare for that. That would be great. I hope so. My favorite thing is they cut to the S&M people who get like the get the average Joe's uniform. The song that's playing is Romeo Void's Never Say Never, which is a fucking banger of a song. Is that really? I didn't even yeah. know that. Here, Well, you know what? You've just given me what's going to go at the end of the episode <laughs> for a two second clip. Any any song that's like we're gonna be like upbeat and, and like kind of like post punky, but we're gonna have a fucking saxophone solo. I'm like hell yeah, I'm all for it. I will say this: my favorite thing is one of the guys in a gimp mask. You can hear him say, "What the hell is this? This is messed up." <laughs> they eventually beat the Germans. It's by sheer dumb luck. Oh, but you know what? Before that, we'll cut this back in earlier. Awesome training montage when we meet the Patches O'Hulahan, who is not. The same spry man he was in the dodgeball video that you heard. No, He's, he's now old. in a wheelchair. Uh, he's in a wheelchair. They never explain it, which I'm assuming it's is due to so... just diabetes. I just love it. Uh, well, I think it's because he was smoking during the whole commercial that they heard. That's true. That's also true. Dodgeball is a sport of violence and degradation. Five Ds. Dodge, duck, dip. Dive and dodge. I love how he knows it's wrong when he says it, too. <laughs> so they are playing the Germans and... The, God, the training montage. By the way, I know it's not a line that holds up well, but when Justin Long raises his hand and he goes, queer bait, and he goes, and he goes me, or... And he just kind of points around. When Justin Long gets whacked in the face... <laughs> He, he he was legitimately injured because it was a uh, they they made the wrenches out of rubber. Oh, but really? The first one they threw was like the hardest one, and it actually cracked uh, open his oh. eyebrow. That's what makes it so much funnier is seeing just like an actual pain. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! They did just kind of hold the camera on him, didn't they? He he drops like a fucking bag of wet laundry. He does. It's so funny. He does. Like you, you just like you just see the director just pull a handgun with a sign that says, "If any of you move from your spots, I'll kill you." I swear to God, let him just writhe in pain. Oh, has the director ever done anything else? Yeah, he he did skyscraper a couple years ago. He. Did the adaptation of um, mystery uh, mysteries of, uh, of Pittsburgh? We're the Millers. Oh God! This oh he did he do no he was just a, someone Central in that. Intelligence. Fucking just awful movies. Oh, We're just... the Millers is not the one worth I'm thinking of. I like We're the Millers. We're the Millers is fun. Yeah, I know. There's problems with it. This is another one that could not pass the old. So they play the Germans. They win. What's his name? Rip Torn gives gives a wonderful little moment to Peter Lafleur. He says, "You're a natural leader, Peter. They look up to you." I've got some hawkers in my room. You want to come join me? Rip Torn is so good in this movie. Rip Torn knows what they need to do. Yeah, Rip Torn's Rip Torn's good. Hank Azaria is good when he plays Young Patches. He is. We see a couple of scenes of stuff going on, like other teams are eliminated. The Globo Gym Purple Cobras are clearly the dominant team. Also, they're taking it way too seriously. Dodgeball is like a real, there's like a real competitive dodgeball circuit. Oh, I'm sure there is. 
And the people who play dodgeball competitively, fucking good at it. Oh, yeah, probably. Peekaboo! There's White Goodman with his patented peekaboo technique. I am a huge fan of the commentators. Gary Cole and Jason Bateman are fucking great. Everyone gets it. Like, that's the thing. I think everyone was in on the joke on this one. Yeah, I think I think they can be good. Like I said, there's an aforementioned when, the, like, uh, the Japanese or, like, the inner city team pops up. I'm just like, it is just a barrage of just, like, offensive and yeah. really dated yeah. humor. And those scenes, like the fucking Asian one where they start calling them by like car names, I was like, I was like, this, like that's yeah, fucking yeah. wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong there. <laughs> like that, that was that wrong is... for 2004. Like that's fucking I mean, fucked up, it's, man. It's kind of like, I guess the thing is there, you know what it is? It's the South Park thing that you talk about. There was a time where outrage humor was so the norm that it was perfectly fine. Yeah, but like even at the time of this is coming oh, out yeah. like I don't we should have been calling you. that out like it's just, fucked up yeah i don't disagree with you i'm sure there was someone out there who called it out it just wasn't on and people's radar. japanese people probably were pissed off well probably i would be so it comes down to the globo gym purple cobras i will say actually though one of the great lines in the first match is good toss by the submissive i love the idea that jason bateman's character who's the color commentator is just constantly giving them the dumbest insight imaginable yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Cotton. <laughs> or, Although he does, I'll, I'll say this, he has a dodgeball tattoo on his neck, which is so great. It's very funny. My my other favorite one is, I spoke to White Goodman, <laughs> and they really want to win this one. <laughs> the, other one I, the other one I love is, F-N-A, Cotton, F-N-A. Also, like Pepper the, needs, the movie's funny. I just Pepper think... Needs new shorts is pretty great. I just think there's no one that's really, really fucking leave a bad taste in my mouth. We'll get I to the one at the end. I think it's really also really bad. It comes down to the Global Gym Purple Cobras and Average Joes. It was always going to come down to this. And by the way, do you are you aware of the alternate ending? There's an alternate? Do they lose? They do, and it just goes to black. <laughs> it is literally It is literally White Goodman hits Peter with the ball and like... White Goodman hits Peter with the ball and they all the Cobras embrace him and it just kind of goes to black. <laughs> it's on the DVD. It's so fucking funny. Like, because you're just like, I think they did it at one of the screenings and then like the director came on the screen and was like, no, I'm just kidding. That was, that was something to fuck with all of you. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my God, how great would it be? Because there is a point in this movie where like they're playing... And she gets hit in the face by a dodgeball, Christine's character, by White Goodman, because he sees that, like, she obviously cares for Peter because she takes a dodgeball before. And he hits her in the face, and it's at this point, it's just Peter versus Michelle, the fitness consigliere, and White Goodman. He gets Michelle, but then he gets hit. By the way, this movie does a great thing of setting up and paying off so many things. It also is pretty good at explaining the rules to people who might not know dodgeball. It actually so... is. It like they do the whole like old film so that you know the rules to dodgeball. Because like if you didn't know the rules to dodgeball, this movie would be impenetrable. But they also explain like the double fault, and I feel like the movie could have done a better job explaining like why you can't step over the line. Like I think someone does it at one point and they get eliminated, and I think that's like literally the only time that happens. But it explains, like, what a double fault is. Essentially, it's, like, when someone steps over the line, you have one person. They step over the line, they get hit, or they get hit at the same time. 
you essentially have a double fall where both are eliminated and you go to a sudden death. And the sudden death is stupid and doesn't make any sense because it's not taken from the real world. But you have like a triangle, you stand in the triangle, and like you can't leave the triangle, so dodging becomes harder. And whoever gets hit first loses. And the balls have skulls on them. And the balls have skulls on them because. Oh, that's and we should and we should also stuff. mention Patches O'Houlihan was crushed by a giant sign that said the luck of the Irish. He was crushed by two tons of irony. And that's kind of what makes Peter leave at first. Also, Peter treats Steve the pirate pretty badly. He treats Steve the pirate pretty badly, and he sells the gym for a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. All and important. It is all important. Yes. And the last important thing is they are 51, 50 to one odds to win the tournament. Exactly. And it comes down to this final, I think we explained that really well. And it comes down to this, this final throw between the two of them. They each have a ball. They each get one throw and, and catching the ball does nothing. You have to dodge it. I guess that's what the rule is. You have to actually dodge the ball, but without moving and without uh, leaving the triangle. Yeah. Without leaving the triangle. He says, gentlemen, I'll give you a couple seconds. Peter turns around and looks down at this giant, like, is it a handkerchief? What is it? Like, it's like, it's, a, it's like one of those flyboy towel? towels. It's like, it's yeah. like what you would see, like, wrapped around like an aviator back in the day. Because that's what Patches of Hula Hand dressed as. <laughs> By the way, that Gross. jacket lasted. Oh. That jacket did last. Yeah, it's a good jacket. And he looks at the, he looks at the towel and he goes, come on, I know you're going to give me something. And then Patches of Hula Hand just shows up on the towel. <laughs> oh. What does Patches say? Listen up, Crotch Stain. Remember your training. You can do this. I believe in you. Bye-bye. And it just goes away. Oh, necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not. No, but it is sterile, and I love the taste. He's so gross. So they both throw the ball. I mean, Peter wins, of course. Like, why wouldn't he? Yeah. And he put all the money. By the way, did you notice the nice little touch when they wheel out the money? Yeah. They're, 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 when they open it up in the in the thing, it says Deus es Machina. <laughs> it does. That's so great. He puts $100,000 that White gave him to sign for the gym on them. They were going off at 50 to 1, which is $5 million. <laughs> do, do the math. $100,000 at 50 to 1. $50,000? Five. <laughs> <laughs> million dollars well he has another great one before that how are we gonna raise 120,000 no 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 not together we could sell blood and semen ew not at the same time the other one is the other one is the, the steve the pirate thing where it's just like oh yeah there's a guy on our team dressed like a pirate wait there's a guy called steve the pirate he goes scurvy and the, and the great part is when he shows up he goes hey it's steve the pirate so essentially what Vince Vaughn does is he bets on himself, which is kind of what yeah. the lesson of the movie is, is to believe in yourself. And he puts the money on them and he then buys a controlling share of Globo Jim and becomes White's new boss, essentially. And White gets fired. The thing is, is there is a man in baseball that bet on himself constantly who is banned from that sport for life. True, true. They look but- down on betting. But they didn't put him in the movie. They put the other thing that doesn't hold up, Lance Armstrong. Woof. Yeah. yeah. So what are you dying from? Mostly shame at this moment. Which is, I feel the line Lance Armstrong should have said. 
Yeah, I fast forward over the Lance Armstrong stuff. I, I love when he says, he goes, oh, I've been watching on ESPN 8, the Ocho. I can't get enough of it. You're like, what? <laughs> Why would Lance Armstrong like that? The funny thing is, decades after the dodgeball came out and passed, ESPN jumped on the Ocho thing. So that is real? They did, like, a website, and it was called ESPN Ocho, and they ran, like, a bunch of weird sports stuff on it. That's pretty funny. They should have done it the minute this came out and made a hundred million dollars. They done it the minute it came out, yeah. Yeah, because that's when the time is to strike, when the iron is hot. So, yeah, they win, and you find out that... Because the whole movie, by the way, the other thing that doesn't help, they're just calling Christine a lesbian. Which... Is it's just like a bunch of just like lesbian stereotypes, like oh she's good at sports, she must be a lesbian, which is like not necessarily. I've met plenty of lesbians who are bad at sports. Yes, same here. And at the very end, her girlfriend shows up, and Vince Vaughn's like, oh, I guess she was a lesbian. And then she goes, hey, I'm bisexual, and like kisses him, and it becomes a the credits roll. How did you make it worse? What do you mean? She goes from being a lesbian to being like it goes from like oh like oh like oh she's a lesbian to being like oh yeah women sleep with women for men's pleasure and also actually she's not a lesbian she's a fucking bisexual like that's somehow worse. Like, how is how did, what, in what way does she sleep with with him for for his pleasure? No, how it's is, just like it's just like the like whole kiss thing like the the her having a girlfriend is like oh right because like when lesbians exist it's for men's pleasure and then it's like oh wait I'm not actually a lesbian I'm bisexual so like like oh of course she'll sleep with Peter it's like. No, like, she has a fucking girlfriend, A. B, that's not how fucking... It's just, it, that I thought was just fucking gross. Like, no, like, she wouldn't be like, oh, let me kiss my girlfriend and then immediately go kiss Peter. Like... I mean, but, but, okay. <sighs> what if, what if you gave it a backstory of her talking to her girlfriend via text message or whatever they did in 2004? I don't even remember. Phone call. Long distance phone call and be like, I'm really into this guy. And she goes, hey, follow your heart. She goes, if you're still in love with me, we'll figure it out. Like, if they did yeah, that scene. Like, yeah, if they're in, like, an open relationship, yeah, that's fine. But, like, bisexuals get, like, this rep- representation of being, like, oversexed constantly. I agree. Of, like, not being I able agree. to choose a side. And so to have it be like, oh, I'm bisexual, therefore, like, I'm, of course, available to Peter. I think that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But Ugh. they all they all seem happy. I mean, but the thing is, it also pays off the joke he tells Owen at the beginning. I guess. Also, it starts off with him saying, spare me, watching a commercial for White Goodman's gym. And it closes on White Goodman watching a commercial for him for uh, Average Joe's gym. Yeah, and then we go back to the fat jokes. We do. And it's Ben Stiller has returned from his, uh, or has returned to his normal weight of 600 pounds which you see and it's it's upsetting i'll say that it's certainly a visual gag for sure yes and then you roll the credits and you see him do the song my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard still in that fat suit that might be the worst thing i've seen it's 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 pretty upsetting like that gives existence a run for its money that's just so bad in your face face, existence (sighs) But yeah, I guess the only question left is to ask, what would you, or I guess, what would I pair this with, huh? Yeah, Uno. Give Uno reverse card, Ben. What do you pair this with? <laughs> I mean, I, I said it at the beginning. You need a movie that holds to a central premise. And if you're going to pair it with a comedy, you pair it with Beer Fest. You okay? Yeah, it works, man. 
Like that movie is all about defeating the Germans in a beer drinking contest. They never deviate from that plot. Dodgeball does the exact same thing, and that's why they both work. The I almost picked a Broken Lizard movie as like Which one, one of the other ones pick? to hold up. It was probably going to be Beer Fest or Super Troopers because those are the two that I remember the most. I think Super Troopers might hold up. I don't. Super remember. Troopers. Super Troopers is good because there isn't really enough going on in it for it to really fuck anything up. Yeah, and I think. And also, it's like such I, a wild caricature. It's more mall rats than it is like. Yeah, I think Beerfest might not, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I love Beerfest. Beerfest is the first of their movies I saw, so I love Beerfest. I remember watching it a lot, and I don't remember much about it. So maybe, maybe I've blocked some of it out. So, oh, you know what we forgot to talk about? Steve the pirate comes back. He does. He's, he's clean-shaven. Yeah. It's the sweetest moment in the movie. He goes, well, I don't know, Steve. If you're not a pirate, who am I going to split all that buried treasure with? Gar. Gar. Alan Tudyk is much better than that character has any fucking right to be. He brings 10 pounds of interesting to a zero-pound bag of, of a character. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's just he's a pirate. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's so great, Owen. Hey, look, it's Steve the pirate. That's that's the, like I said. There's funny jokes in this movie, yeah, but just they don't like fat people, and they also uh, seem to go after hate them. Asians. Apparently, Jesus Christ. Yeah, not not fan of inner city people either. It seems. Yeah, he's got so, some rough edges. Yeah, so yeah, beer fest. What would you give this? Yeah, beer fest. I give beer fest like I don't know two and a half stars. <laughs> Are you giving this two and a half stars? No, I said I give Beer Fest two and a half stars. Uh, I give well, Dodgeball you... uh, like uh, one and a half, two. I really did not enjoy my time. <laughs> wow, this is only a half star below Mallrats, huh? Okay, then one and a half. Okay, one and a half, a whole star. I give this like three. Like, this is fun still. Like, I still can laugh at this. I'm, I'm of the opinion you can make fun of anything. I mean, does it hold up? Absolutely not. But at the time I saw it, it was really funny to me. And I know that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to evolve. And I do recognize, like I said, the Laurie Beth Denberg thing doesn't sit well with me. There are things that definitely don't. But for the most part, yeah, the, the Japanese stuff and the inner city stuff is pretty fucked up. But for the most part, it's pretty great. And I'll say this too. Like, it's like everyone understands what they're doing in this movie so perfectly. Like, no one is ever off their game for the character they're playing. I will say when Ben Stiller and his wife, Chris, Christine Taylor, when they're on screen together for like the two or three scenes that they have together, it's amazing because it's just like a husband and wife just bullshitting. Well, former husband and wife. They we should divorced. we should mate. <laughs> what was that? We should date. See each other sociably. <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Just It's it's very funny. They're, they've got a good chemistry. I could see why they were married for so long. They're, they're very good. They're great in Zoolander together, too. Yeah. I was bulimic. You can read minds? <laughs> he does fucking hate fat people. I, yeah. Yeah, I, think I guess. Ben Stiller's got a real axe to grind with fat people. It's an easy, they were easy targets for a long period of time. Yeah, it's very true. It's very, very true. So, yeah, so three and one and a half. Okay, wow. Weirdly, like, almost both of our things were... Like yeah, we were huh? Yeah, we were really we're divided. even. It was just, we just the ratings were uh, on other ends. <laughs> yeah, we both can appreciate stuff, but we both understand where the problems are. But I think it's I think these just caught us at different times. I guess we should open up the next quest, and 
it came in like a manila envelope that said private on it what that what's that all about <laughs> the next customer wants movies about surveillance if you don't get me two movies by October the 5th of 2020, well, we're going to do it a lot sooner than that. Um, I will I will release these tapes that have you and him. Hold on, let me listen. These are just our podcasts. Wow. Wow. Maybe maybe we're not what's holding up. Interesting. Oh, no. oh, God. Um, oh dear God. <laughs> oh, I never did delete that conversation about Max Landis. Oh, well, whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do? Yeah, I guess we can do two for surveillance. Says this guy will pick them up and they must be left outside of the store at exactly five minutes after we've closed and left the building. Oh, I guess he's getting free movies next week. Well, if I guess if we're going to give this guy some free movies, we should give him some bad free movies. But, you know, we don't do that here at TWGTF. Even the people who are blackmailing us that are customers get good movies. So the first movie we are going to talk about is a little movie from 1974. And it stars Gene Hackman, John Cazale, Alan Garfield. It is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And it is the second movie that Francis Ford Coppola would direct that year that would be nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. It is, of course, The Conversation. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. I get, to talk about a good, I get to talk about a movie by Francis Ford Coppola I really like. And you know... I did a real one for you, one for me thing. Oh, fuck you. That's you haven't fine. seen The Godfather. Don't fuck you. Don't. How fucking dare you? I might not like The Godfather, Ben. You don't know this. And then we are going to take it out of the city to a sleepy little suburb where we are going to watch a neighborhood grow more and more panicked and more and more paranoid as we follow three men as they surveil a family. And the three men are Rick Ducumin. Bruce Dern and Tom Hanks in the 1989 comedy cult classic, The Burbs. That's what that movie's about? You have no idea. And do you know who's back next week, my friend? Uh, Dern. Not Dern. Another man. And he's been here for 200 years, so we must be doing something right. I, I don't... Joe Dante? I, don't. I hate Illinois Nazis. Oh, oh, Henry Gibson is coming back. And do we have quite a chat to have about Henry Gibson? You've never seen the Burbs, have you? I have not. Get ready for I don't one think of my... I've, I've seen like three Joe Dante movies. Get ready for one of my... Get ready for what might be my favorite Joe Dante movie. Ooh. Not and The Explorers? I've never seen The Explorers. Because I'm not a little Nancy boy. I don't even know what that means. All right. <laughs> I don't even know what that meant. That was just, okay, just got pushed in the nose somehow. That was, that was that's the line that's the line from broadcast news where he says he goes maybe you could cut off a hundred thousand of your salary and we could save the network and Jack Nicholson looks over and goes that was just a bad joke he goes and you know what that was just a sick reaction to a bad situation it's a it's a brutal layoff. Watch broadcast news. Broadcast news is good. It's constantly in my sister's car. She never takes out this copy that she has in her car for some reason. I have no idea why. Huh. I, I don't know. It's just she's never taken it out of her car. And it's so funny. Every time I get in her car, I go, you know, you could for once take out this goddamn copy of Broadcast News. I use it every time as a bit when we're in the car. Maybe that's I was thinking about what I should rent from Movie Madness. Maybe I'll rent, maybe, maybe I'll rent Broadcast News. You know, Broadcast News is strong, dude. I bet it's your best of the week next week. But guys, you can follow us next week and surveil us as we talk about two movies about surveillance at TWGTF Pod on Twitter. 
You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. Tyler, is there any place they can follow you? No, but I, I'll plug going for a walk. Pretty fun. Get outside in the sunlight a little bit. Oh, you mean just actually going for a walk? Yeah, just go for a walk. No, fair enough. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I am a cobra. (laughs) I didn't know what that was. I was like, cobra? What movie had a cobra in it? And remember, guys, if you come into a video store and you see two guys passed out with a bunch of snacks around them, well... We might need you to stand in for our truth or date game that or that Tyler is trying to get on the air. Do you think Superman could sleep with Lois Lane? Just two white guys talking film.